somehow in the scenario and get him away from the Roman soldiers and free him. And he discouraged this because he saw the opportunity to be martyred as the ultimate test of how deep his Christianity was. So he, he said a number of wonderful things in his letter to the Roman church discouraging them, but this one here just strikes me most of all. Because I, think, I think it sums up why we have the Feast of All Saints in the church. And he said, I desire that I may not only speak, but truly will. And that I may not be merely called a Christian, but really be found to be one. How profound. The saints of the church are people who sought that same goal, and in various and sundry ways achieved it. Uh, through the grace of God and through their own submission to God's will. So they truly will, as he says. All Saints is a time when we witness to them. Ironically, since so many of them were martyrs, and that's what the word martyr means, to bear witness. This is a time when we witness to their witness to us. Now, it's interesting to note in the church that we have a whole series of saints commemorated individually through the days of the year. Uh, we have about, in the Western Rite calendar, it's, it's about 250 of the days, I think, have memorials or or full celebrations to individual saints. The Eastern Rite has about four or five every day of the year. So you never get a day when you don't have some kind of commemoration or witness of a saint. And so each of these people has a particular and individual story to offer us, a particular slant on what it means to be a Christian, to follow Christ like St. Ignatius did. And the interesting thing is you can get all of these stories, and, and all of, I'm sure most of you have your patron saints, and so you know you focus on the, the virtues of that saint, and you try to build your Christian life around those virtues. But on all saints, we draw them all together, because in truth, the Christian life is not one or the other, but the totality of that witness. It is the totality of that witness that we commemorate here today. And the church has commemorated all saints, as we understand it, from very, very early in its life. Uh, the first accounts of saints' lives individually show up at least 150 uh, B.C. or 160. Uh, the first martyrology is in the 170s. So this is, this is the second century. And all the churches started gathering the stories of people who had, who had witnessed to Christ in their own lives, even to the giving of their lives. And so every church had its patron saint very quickly. This while being persecuted by the Romans. And 
So when Romans, the Romans finally in 311 ended the persecutions of Christianity, and Christianity very quickly became legitimized as a, as a religion in the Roman Empire. All these churches had these stories to tell. And they began to tell not only the individual stories, but the stories of the whole, of what all of this witness means to us. And thus, All Saints was born. In the Eastern Rite, they still practice it the original way, which is what the Sunday at the Pentecost. Uh, and they prayed for the departed Christians on this, what are called the Saturdays of the Souls, which were what in Eastern time, isn't that right? Uh, and so that was the way the whole church practiced these, these two events that we look at and celebrate tonight and tomorrow. But the church in the West had an unusual problem, and it was a group of people from which my ancestry comes called the Celts, who were stubborn, warlike, and hard-headed. Uh, and they were very religious, but wrongly religious. And on November 1st, they had a feast called Samhain, the Feast of the Dead. That it was so deeply rooted that when the church went into their areas, it could not uproot this particular celebration. So it chose to move All Saints in the West to November the 1st, and then later All Souls on the 2nd, in order to combat the influence of that. Now, if you think that a lot of Eastern Rite people don't like that, this fact, and some people will say, well, why did we do this? But the modern American version of this is for Christian churches to have Halloween celebrations where the kids are not, they were encouraged to wear costumes, but not allowed to wear ghoulies and ghosties and demons and long-legged beasties and things that go up in the night. It's the same thing. It's trying to replace the bad influence with the positive influence. So the church brought together the Feast of All Saints on November the 1st, and we have been celebrating it in the Western tradition this way ever since. So there's a story to tell. And it is the story of all of the individual accounts. I want to touch on four of them very briefly to give you a picture so you can see how they tie together. <clears throat> One was St. Monica. If you know anything about St. Monica, she's the patron saint of mothers. She had a husband who was verbally abusive. She lived in the fourth century. She had a husband who was verbally abusive and a mother-in-law who was equally verbally abusive who moved in with her. So she had to put up with that. At the same time, she had a son whom she brought up in the Christian faith, and he became wayward and wandered off into speculative philosophy and immorality and did everything under the sun that she could not countenance. But instead of despairing, she prayed for them constantly. It is said that she went to church to daily mass to pray uh, for the, their souls. In the end, at the end of his life, her husband and his, her mother-in-law converted to the faith. And her son went on to become the one we know as St. Augustine of Hippo. So her prayers are her witness, the prayers of a faithful Christian mother, uh, to pray and intercede for all. And it's a message to us. The martyrs of the plague of Alexandria, which occurred around 260. Uh, in 250, the Romans had initiated a persecution which took a special effect in Alexandria, Egypt. And a number of Christians were brutalized by the local population and the Roman authorities. In 258, the, the, the persecution was reinitiated, and the same thing happened again. And the Egyptian people were ruthless to the Christians in Alexandria. So in 260, when a plague broke out, the same people who had led the persecutions fled the city to escape the disease. We can sort of witness to this in our time with, with the way we, what we have to face, in a sense. 
So they fled the disease, but the Christians stayed because Christ had talked to them, had said to us, all of us, about tending to the poor and the needy and the sick and the downtrodden. So they stayed, stayed and, and witnessed to and ministered to the same people who had brutalized them. Many of them contracted the disease and died. And so they're called the martyrs of the plague of Alexandria. That's, that's a good witness. That's a very specific witness. But it's something that, that applies, that can be applied to all. St. Maurice and the Theban Legion, all of these four examples I'm giving you come out of North Africa, which is sort of ironic. I didn't mean that to happen, but that's the way it happened. St. Maurice and the Theban Legion were Egyptians who were, who were formed and who were enlisted by the Roman army, formed into a legionary unit. They were all Christians, accidentally. This happened in 287. Ironically, when it was still illegal to be Christians, but they were taken in by the Roman army and, and, and brought into their service. They were taken into north, north of what we call Turkey today in a military campaign uh, and were expected to sacrifice to the gods of the Roman state before they went into battle. And the Christians couldn't do it in good conscience. And the Roman commander told them that if they didn't, they would be decimated. That is, that one in ten, one in every ten of their number would be executed. And so they just said, we, we, we can't do anything else. So you may as well kill us all which they did, all of them, the martyrs. The, so when you hear on the calendar St. Maurice and his companions, that's St. Maurice and the Theban Legion. They understood that a, a devotion to Christ supersedes everything else, a basic truth in Christianity. That's their witness. It doesn't, it doesn't, it's different from the other witnesses we've already looked at, but they understood something which is true for all of us. And lastly, St. Athanasius of the fourth century, who defended the Trinitarian doctrine and experience of the church at the point of being ridiculed and exiled. At the time, the Arian heresy was, was popular, not just a theological thing, but a philosophical sport that people used to propagate in the marketplaces in Egypt. And so it was popular to believe in Arianism and not popular to be faithful as St. Athanasius was to Christian doctrine about the Trinity and the two natures of Christ. So in, in, in being faithful to that, St. Athanasius was exiled from his church five times in his lifetime. Five times. You and I would give up after the second one, say, oh, what the heck, let's just give them what they want. That's enough is enough. As Popeye said, that's all I can stand, so I can't stand no more. You know? Not Athanasius. He was stubborn, and he knew that the truth had to be upheld at all costs. It is said of him that he was the only, it's not true, but it's said of him that he was the only one in the world who understood this and stood up for it. And so he's often described in Latin as Athanasius Contrabundum, Athanasius against the world. Amazing. So all four of these are four separate different witnesses. And yet they all speak of some aspect of the truth that comes together when we celebrate all the saints and which we all must learn. So it's a both, it's a both and situation. The individual witnesses of all the saints and the collective witness of all the saints. So in any given day, we'll get one of them, one aspect, but that's not all of them. And we don't all have to, we don't all have to specialize in the whole bunch of them. Each of us will be like these particular saints. We will learn, we will have our virtues, and we will have the aspects that God wants us to, to emulate and to express in this world. 
but we will also strive for all of them because that is the totality of what it means to follow Christ. Uh, I come back to, to what St. Ignatius said in the beginning, because I think this sums this up in this whole drive. I desire, I desire that I may not only speak, but truly will, and that I may not merely be called a Christian, but really be found to be one. All the saints were found to be truly Christian. And we praise and glorify them for that because they've shown us how we can be truly Christians as well. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.